I am especially excited about this episode of Down the TV Rabbit Hole. I'm Jim Sign in New Orleans. He's Harry Bartosiak in Chicago. First of all, Harry, it's only proper that I say to you congratulations because I understand today you were in court and you closed a big deal. Is that right? Oh, it was, it was uh, you know, uh, double skyscraper type of a deal. Yes, big, big, huge, massive deal. Actually, three of them. I'm now a wow. billionaire, uh, and we're going to record the next episode from my new yacht. So everything is fine. Everything's fine now after all well, these years it, of struggle. And I think your first purchase should be two gold-plated microphones like Rush Limbaugh used to use for both of us for the podcast. Is that what he used? Gold-plated microphones from the <laughs> Clinton sure. administration? I think he did, actually. I think he had an EIB microphone that was gold-plated. I know that Pete Fountain... The Enema and Broadcasting Network, my friend. Do you know that Pete Fountain, the great New Orleans jazz clarinetist, yeah. the guy who was the first clarinet player in the Duke's Dixieland, the band I'm affiliated with... I've Pete Fountain actually had a gold-plated clarinet. It, it was it was wooden clarinet, but the keys were gold-plated. Yeah. And when he died, he gave it to a guy who is well, he's not really a friend of mine, but he's an associate of mine. So he's got this gold clarinet that's probably worth, you know. I don't know. What would you guess? At least 100000 if not more, right? Yes. This brings... Yes. And, and, you know, to me, and I know you're more of a musician than I am. I'm a hobbyist. But this is... I'm a guitar guy, for example. And it gets to the point where, like, there's a guitar you could buy, a Gibson guitar that cost, I don't know, 50000 But That's too much. What are you going to do with yeah. this thing? I don't even want it in my house. It's like having, like, yeah, a gold-plated piano or something. Uh, and even that, a $100,000 clarinet, um, you know, yeah. if you're going to donate it to a museum. But even that, people don't even really care to look at it. So uh, I'm not trying to poo-poo your friend's no, uh, no, no. good fortune. But isn't it with, a muse- with an, an instrument, a working man's instrument, even if you're a professional musician, do you want to haul that thing around on an airplane? Oh, exactly. And God forbid you turn your back on the bandstand, you know, yeah. you turn to get a glass of red wine, you turn back and the instrument's gone. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> you know? So, yeah. And there's many a professional musician that have had their instruments stolen. We know that. Yeah. Well, you know, in the uh, old school, and this happened in St. Louis, happened to my buddy Bob Schrader back in the 50s. If it was a union town and you were a, a club that was hiring non-union musicians... The musicians would take a break, and two guys would come in with baseball bats and in 15 seconds destroy every instrument that was left on the bandstand and wow. leave. Oh, wow. Yeah. He wow. He saw that I happen that. more than once. For, and this is in the 50s. This isn't like the roaring 20s, you know. Oh, my God. In the 50s, yeah. We came up with this idea very organically during our last podcast, and I need to apologize to our buddy Craig Chrisman, who's been messaging me over the last couple of days. Of course, Craig, as I mentioned before, the number one read man in Benita Springs, and he's been leaving comments on our Facebook pages and on our YouTube pages or whatever it is. He really liked the last podcast, even though I was stupid enough and bold enough to pick the worst show of TV uh, history and that, of course, being Mama's family. And I apologize to him, and I apologize to you again. <laughs> 
Well, I hey, it was we had you know the the old movie, the good, bad, and the ugly. At least we did yeah. the good and the bad in the last one, which is okay because we do bad. I mean, and you don't get any worse than that. We have featured game shows on mm-hmm. this broadcast in the past. We did a, an extravaganza on the match game. I know you talked about prices, right? We've mentioned a few other TV shows that were game shows. But what we're going to do right now are game shows that weren't the big home runs. They were shows that made no. it to the air. These were yeah. ones that, you know, have kind of been forgotten, fallen through the cracks. Would that be a good way to say it? Yes, they've been flushed down the toilet. They've uh, well, yes. <laughs> slunk down the sewer. Um, yeah, exactly. No longer with us. All right, well, I'm going to start, if you don't mind. Can I kick it off? Because I think this will give everyone a good idea of what we're talking about. We're going to go to 1975 for this Mm -hmm. show, okay? Oh, a sweet spot for bad game shows. Oh, yes. The mid-70s, oh, yeah. There were, were, if you Google game shows 1970s, you're going to come up with uh, at least half a dozen that you're going to laugh about. And I I think you'll laugh about this one. Go ahead. I don't even know what show you're going to talk about, but I'm picturing the host in a brown leisure suit with (laughs) a wide-collar yellow shirt standing on orange carpeting. And that host would be, of course, Mr. Bob Eubanks hosting the show Rhyme and Reason. Oh, okay. I never heard of it, but I think I can pretty much picture exactly how it went. But tell me. <laughs> no, you've got you've got the set exactly right. It was in, in orange or brown carpet. And, of course, Bob Eubanks wearing some sort of a wide-collar yeah. shirt. Or if he was wearing a tie, it was a really wide tie, I imagine. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about this show, and I barely, barely remember it. There's only one episode that still exists and it's the pilot, which I happened to see on YouTube. 1975, you say? And it was on for one season. Now, uh-huh. again, it was called Rhyme and Reason. And hmm. some people say that it was a game show kind of built around the talents of the number one celebrity, who I think was on every episode. And uh-huh. that, of course, would be Nipsey Russell. Of course, but of course a horse can be a course, of course, and that's why I'm on the show. To well, yeah. And that's I so, swear to you, that, that is like the first 30 seconds of the pilot. We need a word that rhymes with hill. Once again, we'll show our home audience while we keep it a secret from our celebrities. Jack said to Jill when they came down the hill. Right, Yvonne has hers. Okay, Nipsey. Nipsey Russell. Jack said to Jill when they came down the hill, we didn't go there for water. I hope you take the pill. <laughs> from Hollywood, it's time for Rhyme and Reason. With the poet laureate of television, Nipsey Russell. I'm not kidding you. He is, like is they, they throw something out and then and then Nipsey does like a uh, an impromptu rhyme with like six or seven rhymes and then all of a sudden you know a logo up full music full dun, 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 dun. it's rhyme and reason with Bob well, Banks Bob you, and I don't know what for but I was so poor that I had to be on car fifty four and now I'm glad to be here on the show so I can buy some I, I don't know anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go through the celebrities that I saw on the one episode that exists. Oh, you mean there's more than just Nipsey? 
Oh yeah, no, it was like a match game. They had uh, let's see. Well, I'll just na- I'll name them off and I'll let you laugh after each celebrity. Well, name. what was the Ready? premise of the show? Just for the for the uneducated out there like me, well, uninitiated, okay. I, didn't see it. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that. I know it's see. cutting edge um, stuff. I'm sure. I'm sure this is going to be hard to follow. But tell me what the the premise was. I'm going to read a phrase to our celebrities and ask them to finish the phrase with a rhyme. Now, for example, Richard Dawson, how, how would you complete this phrase, Richard? Necking is something couples do in a car. Necking is something couples do in a car. Unless it's two guys, then it gets quite bizarre. Bizarre, all right. Okay, he used the word bizarre as his rhyming word. And now, Patrick and Jensen, from now on, it's going to be your job to write down a rhyming word and then choose a celebrity that you think will use that word to complete the phrase. That's all I can remember. Well, perfect for Nipsey Russell, then, of course. Exactly, exactly. And along with Nipsey Russell, again, there's one episode that exists. Here were the celebrities. Lee Merriweather. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was her game. Richard Dawson. Mm Mm-hmm. Jack Cassidy. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful. No smoking, Jack. (laughs) Adrian Bimbo Barbo. (laughs) Oh, this is like out of central casting for game show celebrities right here. And the most mediocre game show guest (laughs) of all time. Very popular on a very popular show for many years. One of the most mediocre of all time. Also a jazz singer. You might remember her from the gong show. J.P. Morgan. You got it. J.P. Morgan (laughs) was in seat number six. Oh, well. Let me tell you what. Already yeah. you've named two people that are going to be featured prominently on the two two of the different shows I'm going to talk about too. Great. Because great. it's a circuit, man. This was a circuit. This was a small universe of lamo celebrities. Oh yeah, no, I'm looking at my 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 other ones that uh, that I've researched, and you're exactly right. It was a pool of it was a very shallow pool of mid level celebrities <laughs> that probably all happened to live within about 45 minutes of the taping studios where all the game shows were. You're being charitable. You describe them as mid level, mid you know, as compared to what. Is compared to you know lower than whale shit level. I well, suppose. no, no, no. You know, mid, well, let's see, mid. Well, Lee Merriweather, she was on Barnaby Jones. She was in the Batman oh, right. movie. You know, so right. and Richard Dawson was Newkirk on uh, Hogan's Heroes. Jack Cassidy. Course, well, he was a major film actor for a lot of years. Jack Cassidy, of course. You got me. So, you, you're right. No, I'm, I'm just trying. I'm trying to be generous. You know, you no. never know when one of the relatives of one of these people is going to be listening. So, and I, fe- I still feel bad for Jack Cassidy. I really do, because you know he was a good actor, and then he kind of yeah. stayed around too long, and and then of course he was a horrible alcoholic who burned up in that terrible fire, yeah. and. For God's sake, he was married to America's sweetheart, Shirley Jones, and he couldn't make that work. So I'm like, he, he was a very troubled man. You know, and how was, can you be... Go ahead. That's true. And then he was the father of David Cassidy, too, correct? Well, and that caused him a lot of angst, too, because David became so famous, and he had there was a lot of, well, not sibling rivalry. What would it be? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, a familial, is that the right word? Family? Yeah, familial. familial uh, yeah. Uh, uh, a rivalry so yeah he had a lot of jealousy toward david and i guess when uh i guess when jack died he and david weren't really on great terms so david had a, lo- a hard time with that 
Oh, I'll bet. Do you know, for a long time, I thought, uh, not for a long time, but for a time, I thought that uh, Jack Cassidy sang the theme to The Love Boat. But then I realized later it was Jack Jones. For some reason, I was thinking it was Jack Cassidy, which was, is weird, you know. Well, and for but, the longest time, I thought Jack Cassidy was the original lead in Guys and Dolls, but it turns out that that was Robert Alda, Alda Alan Alda's dad, if I no remember kidding. correctly. Yeah, I think so. Guys and Dolls. We got the horse right here. His name is Paul Revere. Paul Revere. That one. There's a, yeah, oh, I love that. I love that. Can I, do. Can every do. now and then... Before the Kentucky Derby, when I was doing weather, I, I would make a Kentucky Derby, Derby graphic, and that's how it intro. <laughs> and I would I would just do a couple of bars of that, throw it in, and then I'd, I'd show the graphic, and I'd say, oh, sloppy track, you know, rain expected, or, you know, fast and firm, whatever the conditions were going to be for the Derby. Oh, but Good one. Did Then did you break into, there is nothing like a dame, nothing in this world. There's not anything like a dame. I know. No, I, 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 no, no, I didn't because I'm not the singer you are. You're much. You're much better vocalist than I am. I can't My sing. My vocal range is very limited. I enjoy singing, but I can't sing, which is a very annoying thing in a quality in a human being. If you've ever been around those kind of people, I'm one. Well, of them. you know, it, it's funny you mention that because I have a real good yeah. friend back in uh, Southwest Florida who's a radio host. He's a very popular guy. Been on the air for for 25, 30 years. But he and his partner, his partner can kind of sing, but he can't sing at all. And yet, <laughs> they will put on like Rhinestone Cowboy and sing along. And it's the only time I have to turn their show off because it's just so off key. It's like fingernails on the oh. blackboard to me. Yeah. Well, you can you can see you control the editing of this show. So if I ever sing and it's so offensive that it must be removed, you control all that. So I, I feel well, like I have carte blanche to just fire away you no know, just that's why in the out. last podcast if you remember in the last podcast i completely eliminated all of your richard deacon and um oh who is the other guy Gaines. uh george Gaines. Gaines. george Gaines. yeah mahoney you, you, <laughs> academy we missed you at the academy mahoney punky <laughs> Right. No, I didn't eliminate them because they're too damn good. <laughs> You're George Gaines. An Evening with George Gaines, starring barrister Harry Bartosiak, <laughs> attorney at law. <laughs> All right, let me get back to my show real quick mm. because it's it's very unnoteworthy. It made it Rhyme one season. or reason? It's significant for two reasons. Number one, on the last episode, they knew they were being canceled. So during the show... And there's no videotape that exists, but supposedly there's an audio tape. About 10 minutes into the show, all of the celebrities start to destroy the set. Really? And this was planned? I don't know if it was planned with, with Bob Eubanks or the producers, but it happened, and it just kind of you know snowballed. So by the end of that 30-minute uh, 30 episode, they had destroyed the set, and that was it, and they said goodbye. Now, here's the second thing that's noteworthy about the show. They canceled it to replace it with another show. And the other show was a little more successful. Because uh -huh. one of the guys that was sitting on the panel ah, for the show. I know. Go ahead. Let's play the feud. You're exactly right. Family feud replaced <laughs> it. Was on the, it was still, <laughs> yep, still on the air today. Yep, yep. And, yep. of course, you're so talking you about Ray Combs host of uh, no ray cones no that was after <laughs> richard Dawes. the, right, the yeah, late ray Cones. another here we are we go from jack cassidy Let's burns up a in kiss. a fire 
and then Ray Combs <laughs> hangs himself in a closet for God's sake. These, you know. Oh no! Oh God! <laughs> so, this is a so I'll dark try to show. spin this. <laughs> Rhyme and reason, nineteen seventy-five. Uh, one uh, one season, and that's about all I can say about it. I remember very little of it. Google it if you want. You might recognize the set, but uh, there you go. There's our first middling to mediocre game show that we're featuring on this episode. Okay, and everything is connected. I assume you want me to uh, share you one of my You take it, brother. You go ahead. Seven degrees of separation, uh, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, or in this case, two degrees of Bob Eubanks. My first show is also from 1975, although it was taped, I think, in 1974, and it was an ultra unsuccessful show that I, for a long time, recently thought was hosted by Don Ho. I'm talking about the Diamond Head game. Okay, you recall that? Does it? No. Hosted by Bob Eubanks in 1974. Remember when we've talked about Don Ho in the past, and I said, hey, remember on his show he had this big fake volcano that had a wind machine that blew bills around that people could go in and grab as much money as they could through a period of time, and then they win the money? And then I thought that was on the Don Ho show, because Don Ho had his own variety show that was on during the daytime. And let's step back again. Can you imagine yeah. that there was a time? You know how, like today, you'll turn, you'll be in a doctor's office, and there's Good Morning America, and then there's the View, and then you know, or you might turn on one of the news channels. You might have been sitting in the doctor's office in 1973 or four or five or whenever it was. I think it was actually later. It was almost like in the 80s, uh, and you're in, during the middle of the day, 10:30 in the morning. It's the Don Ho Show, variety show. Well, how about that? I'm I'm up that, for that again, but he's he passed away. That would be a good show. Welcome back to Don Ho Show, and now we visit with Chief Mookie Mookie, who talks to us about taboo idol. <laughs> Chief, what would one do to avoid this taboo idol? Don't pick it up if you're surfing and are in a bad accident because it's taboo. What would happen? Many bad things. He may be captured by Vincent Price in a cave. <laughs> Don Ho did not have this wind machine on his show. Okay, okay, that was completely separate, and it wasn't that successful of a show. We could talk about that some other time. I'm here to talk about the Diamond Head game, which did have the wind volcano. Okay, now, that, um, see, that I remember, where it was it yeah. was just a round cylinder, if I remember correctly. Yeah. You would go in the round cylinder, they would turn it on, and then dollar bills or tens, twenties, whatever they were, yeah. would fly around, and well, you would grab them. Let me tell you. Yeah. You're right. It was like, you know, picture a big paper mache, you know, volcano, named after the long dormant volcano Diamond Head. Uh, and what they did was they broke up the audience. They filmed it in Hawaii. Hawaii. Hawaiian. Fine, how are you? They filmed it there, and what they did was they wanted to symbolize, not really, it's so cheesy, so bad, but basically they had the four, wanted to represent the four Hawaiian islands. So they broke up the audience into four sections, one for each island. I can't even name them. There's the big island, whatever, you know, Oahu, Maui, whatever. But then they would have contestants, local contestants, from and split up, and they would have four starting off, and they would ask general questions. And Bob Eubanks, who hosted the show, they did, get this, they went to this place, I forget where it was, it was in Hawaii, they did 56 shows in eight days. They taped the whole damn season in, in like a week. 
That's what he says. And he said it was bad. He said we had to use local people. And he said, we got them from this certain area. He goes, just to give you an idea of their intelligence, I actually asked the question, who's buried in Grant's tomb? You know. So he basically said these people are idiots. And he said that the area where they had to shoot was not nice. Not nice at all. As a matter of fact, they had to stay in the hotel and they were told not to leave the grounds because the people in the local area did not like... Uh, I think he said the Hoolies, which is a, uh, maybe the mis- different pronunciation, but it means non-Hawaiian natives. Okay. And there was actually a guy shot to death in the hotel and Bob, while they were there, and Bob Eubanks witnessed it. Um, so it was super rough. He said the contestants were stupid. And that the way it worked was they would, they would have this round. There were four people, and then they whittled it down to three, and then to two, and then to one. And, you know, just answering dumbass questions. And then basically... This one person would go in this volcano, which was a wind tunnel, and they put real money blowing around in there. He even said, why did they do that? Why didn't they just use funny money? He said during the 56 days, they lost about three grand just flying out holes and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. I can just see it. Right. So he said, um, you got 15 seconds. He didn't say it. I watched a little bit of it. And you get 15 seconds. You go in there, and they give you this bag, and you just get to, you can't get down on the ground. You can't pit it against the wall or cheat or anything like that. Like, you know, like uh, Casey Kasem did in the obstacle course in Battle of the Network Stars. You know, or was it Casey Kasem, or who was it that was trying to uh, oh, Don, drag himself? Yeah, Don, a- Don, Don Adams. Adams. Yeah, Don just Adams, totally right? blew. Yeah, he totally cheated. Yeah. He, you can't get funny like that. You just have to grab. And then you throw the money in the bag, and 15-second buzzer goes off, and then you come out, and they count the money. And the rules are um, so you get to keep the money, okay? And some of the money is like $100. Some of it, it could say $10,000. Now, this is the part where I don't think there really is a $10,000 bill, so I don't know whether it was all real money or not. Right. Uh, and then there were some gift certificates, like for uh, a fur coat, going on a cruise, and there was a grand prize that they put in there, which was a Mercedes, and they would advertise it at the beginning of the show, and this Mercedes, like, beautiful for the time, 1975, and it was worth, here's what it cost, look, what do you think it cost if you went out and bought a Mercedes in 1975? 1975 Mercedes, I'm going to guess it was. A nice one, like a sporty one, like the one you see that almost like could be a convertible, you know, right. like a sleek yeah, yeah, roadster. Yeah. I'm going to guess yeah. $25,000. 16,000. Oh wow. Okay. God, holy cow. Yeah. That's it. Wow. But, that's incredible. But but the producers had to pay cash for it cuz they wanted the big price and they wanted they had to deal with Mercedes. They could got a discount on it so they could would advertise at the beginning of each show. Hey, somebody could win the Mercedes, you know. So, he said the first day some guy gets up there and wins the Mercedes. Oh, and no. the first day, and they couldn't believe it. And they knew, somehow they knew that that had blown in, his, was going to be pulled out of the bag before the guy knew it. So they do a thing, it's like that show. What's that show with the briefcases uh, where you you keep going and you build up towards the money, but then you can choose a different briefcase? It's like, or like, um, uh, let's make a deal. What's behind door number yeah. one, or do you want the bird in the hand? Kind of so he, they did stuff like that. Where deal said, or oh, no you deal. Stop? Deal or no deal. Deal or no deal. Right. Because what happens is you pull out. He pulls out ten bills out of the bag, up to ten bills if that's how many you grabbed. <laughs> and if a one dollar bill comes up, you're out. You're done. You lose everything. Oh. So you keep like, oh, you got a hundred dollars. Now you got two hundred dollars. Now you got a car. And then 
before we go any further, and the producers are in his ear because they know, damn it, the Mercedes, he pulled out the Mercedes. It's offer him a kitchen. Offer him a kitchen. He said, how about we, we stop right now. I'm going to offer you a kitchen. You know, no, 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 go for it, go for it. So he, go, he keeps going. Oh, it's $700 in this way. Offer him the fur coat. You know, they're offering everything, trying to get this guy not to, to take it. He doesn't do it, and he wins. He said, no, no, and they pull it out, and they have to give away the Mercedes. <laughs> and <laughs> This is the greatest story I've never heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. So, and I guess it just got worse from there, and they had to change. Even though they were taping every damn day, they eventually changed the kind of the format, like how they did the questions and how they split it up, and then they didn't pull out 10 bills but just five. They had to, like, go on the fly here. But Eubanks... If, it, it seems really bad, and um, you know the Eubanks said it was horrible, and he said it was the biggest bunch of, in his words, boop boop that he ever did. I think that's what I'm, you know how he says stuff like whoopee and things. Yeah, like that. yeah. So you know it, it lasted one year, uh, January six months, January yeah. to July of 1975. Then, it, but you could find this show apparently. Apparently, it's fairly widely available, or at least was for a while on the Game Show Network and place shows like that well um, and i think if a, i remember correctly and i'm just remember this i'm shooting from the hip here but i think that was one of those syndicated game shows that would show yeah. up on like the uhf stations at like 6 30 at night you know it wasn't like a network show that's right it, it was syndicated i forgot to mention that and by the way i'm not sure this is interesting but alan thick composed the theme music oh i'm sure he did he did he did so many of those theme songs he did the original. Really? He did the original Wheel of Fortune. No kidding. What an interesting guy, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, I yeah, didn't no. like all of his shows, but that's he really had his hands in a lot of pots. But um, so there you go. Uh, you know, stupid Hawaiians in rough a rough area grabbing money. The good prize is gone the first day. <laughs> Eubanks says it was the worst job he ever had. Other than that, classic TV. Well, if I remember correctly, I remember seeing the second show and they start with a wide shot of the audience and they say, one of these lucky contestants could leave with this 1975 Ford Pinto! (laughs) (laughs) Used, but it's still in decent running condition. This 1969 (laughs) Buick Smart Wagon! (laughs) Okay. And you know what? That w- That's almost so good that it should just be a Saturday Night Live skit. And right. and the last shot would be like the producers, like all panicky, like, and, and the guy, oh, the Mercedes. And the guy just runs over to the Mercedes and drives it off the set, like through the wall. <laughs> yeah. I can't well, believe that's great. <laughs> so... So that's all I got for Diamond Head, but isn't that enough? Oh, beautiful, Harry. Yeah. I, you know, when I came up with this idea, I said, I know Harry's going to come up with something like that, and right off the bat, you hit a home run. And I'm hoping I can kind of be in the same ballpark with this one, although I don't think I'll be, I'll be quite that funny. Oh, you got it, man. But here's one that you don't remember because it never actually made it onto network TV. Now, you can see it because it was a pilot, And it made its way through channels over the years. And about 10 to 15 years ago, my ex-wife was on eBay or on one of the sites. And she actually found a place where you could purchase this bootleg video cassette. And 
And so it's, it was, and it was, it was a VHS video cassette. Now, I might still have it here in the house, but you don't need to watch it on VHS because now it's available on YouTube. And I'll just do like the announcer and I'll start. It starts with, you know, a wide shot. And of course, they zoom in kind of like match game, showing you the celebrities that are going to be playing this game. So I'll just go ahead and say, Harry, join me right now as we welcome Robert Urich, Michael McKean. Deborah Lee Scott, Joyce Bullifant, and Joanne Worley. Oh. <laughs> and? On the game show called The Riddlers with your host, David Letterman. No way. Oh, my God. I don't remember that. I thought you were going to say the Riddlers with your host, Frank Gorshin. But uh, David Letterman, unbelievable. It is one of the biggest steaming piles of crap that I've ever seen in my life. And there's also another videotape that uh, was from the Letterman show that I'll get to in a minute. But basically, the show was these five celebrities um, play five contestants. Now, it was only a pilot. So at the beginning, they start with a full screen, and they say, this was a pilot show. Some of the contestants may be actors. Prizes may not have been awarded. You know, just the complete disclaimer that <laughs> says, you know, <laughs> nobody can sue us for bullshit. anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here's how the game is basically played. And I didn't even watch, or I don't even know if they featured the five contestants. But the five celebrities, they go one, two, three, four, five. And they go down the row, and they ask them riddles. For instance, the first riddle was, and David Letterman walks up, and here's the first riddle. During the French Revolution, I was a pain in the neck. What would that be? Think about it. During the French Revolution, I was a pain in the neck. I'm not good at riddles. You're going to have to give me this one. I probably would have done bad on this show. Well, yeah, you know Robert Urich. The answer is <laughs> the answer is the guillotine. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, not bad. Not right. funny, really, but... Well, here, and here's another one, and it was relatively clever. One of these is longer because I pull it every Saturday night. Uh, the shade. The what? The shade. No, the uh, window shade. Try it. It, it, maybe I'm messing up the question. I don't think I am, though. I one feel like of, this is like the $10,000 pyramid <laughs> or something like that. One of these is longer because I pull it every Saturday night. Talking, of course, about Carol Burnett. And that Earlobe. would be... There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. it. All right, okay. here's here's another one. Let's see if you can finally if you if you can get with the flow here. Mm. Before I get sauced, I usually get strung out. Oh, pasta. Very good, spaghetti. Yes, you would have yeah. got that one right. So spaghetti. Yeah. So okay, but so again, that's the show. Not funny. No, I mean moderately amusing, somewhat clever. Uh, okay. You know, not who was buried in Grant's tomb. I mean, there was a little bit of creativity there. But when you watch the pilot, first of all, Letterman is being Letterman. And he is just being sarcastic and he's making fun of the celebrities. And he's making 
inappropriate and quite frankly not that funny jokes and there's a horrible laugh track that is so obtrusive that it sometimes obscures the the last (laughs) line of his joke oh my god and and the suits are terrible robert urich is like wearing a polka dot open shirt with a you know a, a a blue blazer and uh i will say this though joanne worley for the only time that i've ever seen her actually looked fairly attractive <laughs> really yeah don't there you were think about, well, go ahead yeah she's the female female charles nelson riley oh there's no question no question at all <laughs> yeah. now did, did I you think, think ruth buzzy was hot no, and I, I would never in a million years ever say Joanne Worley is attractive. But for about three seconds on the show, I said, you know what? She's coming across as being very, um, very pretty. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure she was, uh, you know, because she was mostly in character and costume. She, she was. Just, well, you know what, like, though? So I went to the Internet and I did what you and I do. I typed in Joanne Worley pretty, and then I typed in Joanne Worley 2022, and I couldn't find one picture on the internet of her looking pretty at all. So this must have been her five seconds in the sun. There was no picture of her uh, in a bathing suit on a trapeze? (laughs) None that I found. You might be able to find that on the dark web, but I haven't been able to find that one. (laughs) Okay. No. Uh, I'm not going to go looking for that. I'll tell you that right now. But um, very interesting. Uh, so I thought maybe Letterman, because he is obviously, he's one of the kings of comedy. I thought he would have right. been naturally funny enough to pull off you know, some smart remarks or something that would be nah. at least not lame. He, he was just being snarky. He was being, you remember 1970s and 1980s, Dave, where he was just kind of snarky. And you remember Shelf, uh, Cher famously called him an asshole because he was always kind of, well, quite frankly, an asshole sometimes. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't the real super clever and erudite Dave that we remember from the CBS years. He was right. just being a smart ass. And, of course, all the celebrities are, are playing along with him. They know that this is just a pilot and they're trying to just make chicken shit or chicken salad out of chicken shit, you know. What year was it on a, a ballpark? You know, I knew you were going to ask that. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to guess it was 19, It was 77, 78, 79. 78, okay, 79, so is, that ballpark. Robert Urich, is this circa SWAT, maybe? Like, you know, he that's he was on SWAT with um, the guy that played Jedediah on Barnaby Jones uh, and uh, Steve Forrest, remember? I think this was uh, Vegas, Robert Urich. So it would have been after SWAT. Vegas, I, I thought, was like in the early SWAT. 80s. He was yeah, on SWAT. Yeah. See, I don't know that. I remember him as Vegas uh-huh. and Spencer for hire, and then he was uh-huh. the last captain on the Love Boat. He was bald then on that okay. horrible reboot of the Love Boat. So that's all I so remember, Robert Urich. This is for the corrections. I'm going to guarantee this. I guarantee. Okay, you know that kind of talk being down in Louisiana. Right. Uh, what was that guy's name? Justin Wilson. Uh, Justin Wilson is a mediocre pitcher for the Cubs. Uh, okay. Perdome. That was Paul Perdome, I think. Look was up, that him? Okay, now we're going to add to the corrections. Justin Wilson, Louisiana cooking, I guarantee, is going you know, to be good. You might even right, do a drop. All right, so now I, now, I have to, now I have to Google Justin Wilson, mediocre Cubs pitcher, Justin Wilson, chef, and Paul yeah. Prudhomme, chef. Okay, Paul good. Prudhomme Thank is you. a tub, tubby guy. I have one of his cookbooks, although I don't have Richard Deacon, so I don't want to get... I'm, 
got to complete the collection. But um, then we've got to take. Okay, you got four cards. You got to set on the table in proper order. Right. SWAT, Vegas, Spencer for hire, and Love Boat. And I'm just telling you that's the order. So confirm yeah. that on the corrections. SWAT comes first. That's what. When at the time of this show you're talking about, that is circa Robert Urich on SWAT. And remember, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy that was on there with him. He played J. What was his name? Jedediah. That's what Barnaby called him. But what what did he go by? Jr. or on uh, Barnaby Jones? Um, yeah, Barnaby I don't Jones, remember. private investigators. My nephew Jedediah. Um, Mark Shera. Mark Shera. And Steve Forrest was the command leader. That's why I'm wondering, like, how come Robert was Robert Urich the biggest bill on SWAT? Like at the beginning, did, did Steve Forrest get the number one slot? Or I'm sorry, I'm ruin, I'm hijacking your show to, down the rabbit hole on something that's not that interesting. But anyway, getting back to the Riddler, there yes. was an episode of the Letterman Show in the '80s where Michael McKean. Of course, uh, people know him from Spinal Tap. He was Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy. And, of course, he's done a gazillion things. Uh, he, uh, he does, um, what's his character's name on Better Call Saul? He's Saul's brother. Yeah, oh, my God, I can't believe uh, um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that. Jimmy's brother, uh, oh, my God, I don't know. I watched the show, but I, I, yes. I'm just drawing a blank. Well, I mean, that was an Emmy-winning performance. Whether he won the Emmy or not, I don't know. But Chuck, that was a spectacular performance by Michael Chuck. McKean. Chuck, yeah. that's right. Yes, yeah, that's right, uh, yeah. that whole character was just written so well. And Michael McKean, he he should have won Perfect every award. You know, was, was he was born great. for that character? Yeah, it seems. Well, like he it anyway. I, no, I think that guy. I think he is just an extremely. Uh, a dedicated man to his craft because he can do comedy. A mighty wind. He's great in a mighty wind. Everyone's Phenomenal. great in a mighty wind. You know. Yeah. So Michael McKean is on the Letterman show, and he says, "Hey, Dave, it's good to work with you again." And then they kind of chuckle and they say, "Yeah, we were together. What was that? Uh, Seventy-eight, seventy-nine. Yes." And then McKean explains, "We were on this game show. It was called The Riddler," and uh, McKean says, "People don't realize this, but..." On this pilot show, we were all booked. We were all paid to do two episodes of this pilot. And David's agreeing with him. And Michael says, and after we did the first episode, they actually said, okay, we've got enough. Everyone can go home. <laughs> <laughs> so after one episode, they said, ah, you know what? No, we don't. It's not <laughs> Thank here, Here's the check. You know, here, here's your check for scale. You know, oh, wow. Have a nice afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Wow. Yeah, so only so, a pilot. That's all that survived. Huh? Only a pilot. And I had it on VHS. It's the only reason I remember it. And then I think the Game Show Network actually did like a marathon of unsold pilots one weekend or one Sunday night or something. So that's how it ended up on YouTube. And that's how I remembered it, found it. So that's why I featured it. Horrible show. Nobody remembers it. But it is worth a Google, as we like to say. For sure. Very good, sir. I mean, very bad, but very good to <laughs> acknowledge that. All right. What do you got for your, uh, for our next show, pal? Okay. I think the next show, I mean, this is borderline actually good stuff uh, that I watched plenty of, but it really wasn't that good. And matter of fact, in reviewing this show, I don't think it holds up at all. However, it does feature some celebrity guests who are right in the same vein, out of the same punch bowl that we usually see, including J.P. Morgan. Uh, well, there's some different ones here. Burt Convy, uh, Ann Lockhart, Desmond Wilson, 
Dr. Joyce Demond, Brothers. De, no, Demond Wilson. Demond Wilson. Yeah, Demond Wilson. You're thinking it, Desmond Demi, Howard. Demi, I called him Desmond. Remember, I called him yeah. Desmond Howard like 10 episodes ago. No, Demond <laughs> Wilson. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But anyway, hosted yeah. by one of my favorite non-comedian funnymen, Mr. Bobby Van, who regrettably died of a brain tumor in 1980. But before that, he hosted several years of the late night comedy game show make me laugh i remember it well ah yes as uh, to quote maurice chevalier ah yes i remember it well uh he bobby van hosted make me laugh there was originally a make me laugh in the 1950s did you know that no it was on in like 1957 or 1958 and, and let and me guess let me guess it was hosted by bob eubanks no not quite okay it was, okay, it was hosted by ho- yeah. By, by Wink Martindale. No, not quite. I remember, <laughs> okay. Martindale was still hip back then, spinning records for the youngsters, oh, talking to true. Elvis Presley on TV. Okay, who was I don't know who by? hosted it, to be honest. Oh, with. okay, one for the corrections, one for the corrections. But on that show, you could win up to $100, okay, if you were able to survive without laughing uh, in the face of some really funny comedians. Well, for the updated version in the 70s, you could win up to $180, but wait, that's not all. Imagine, imagine this. If you actually survived three minutes without laughing, they would double your money to $360. So can you imagine that you can go on a game show and win up to $360? And that's what just, year you know, is this? Uh, 1978 and 79. Yeah, so, that's wow. Not, yeah. Well, but you remember Family Feud. I think didn't yeah. you win like three hundred bucks if you were the top family, and then the bonus round was what a thousand bucks? Fast money, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it was very small. But here, let me tell you. Before I tell you about about make me laugh, I watched an episode of it. Yeah, uh, and I, I watched bits and pieces of several episodes. But I watched an episode with all the commercials, and I saw one of the most astonishing commercials that I've seen ever. And this is a real commercial from 1970, well, let's say it's 1978. It comes on, it's nothing but words scrolling across the screen, and there's a voice, and it says, Attention, this is a special announcement for viewers of this program. Due to a new uh, stipend that's been provided, we are able to offer to viewers of this show only for a limited time a 35-millimeter camera for the heretofore unheard of price of 1995. Due to the nature and model of this camera, we are unable to disclose its manufacturer or model number. However, this is a 35mm camera which can cost up to $300 in retail stores. Available to you for a limited time only, for only $19.95. Viewers of this program are invited to submit a written request for this camera along with a check in the amount of $19.95 sent to, and then it gives the address. You will receive your camera in six to eight weeks. And then it goes on. I'm like, they're fucking going to sell you a piece of shit. Can you imagine somebody gets this camera and they're what is this? This is a piece of shit plastic. Yes. This ain't no Nikon. This ain't no Canon. Like in a commercial with John Newcomb or Jimmy Connors. This is, this says, this says shit you. This is a piece of shit camera I could have got from a novelty catalog with a fake snot. You know, <laughs> well, but, now the most the most important question is: Have they cashed your check yet, and have you received the camera? <laughs> I know. 
Well, I tell you, that's kind of funny you should say that because I should go back and look at that. Because remember when I found the Loretta Swit commercial for the hands-free telephone? Right. You know, and I called the 1-800 number uh, just to see if they would answer, you know, but and see if they're still in business and selling the phone. But nobody answered. But back to make me laugh. So the main thing about this show is... Um, there, what, what it was, was it would pull contestants out of the audience, and again, for the big, it could win $360, uh, but they'd have to sit there and then go through, three comedians would be on each show, and they'd come out and try to make them laugh, that was it, but, and I watched the ones, the shows I watched, the jokes were bad, I think I could have kicked ass on that show and won the 360 bucks easily, first of all, Bobby Van comes out, and he's trying to be like a comedian too, and what, I always liked Bobby Van, he seemed like I have a smile on his face, but I didn't remember he has like a New York accent, hey, how you doing, it's make me laugh, and this is a contestant, you know, he's got more of a New York accent than I remember, and when he introduces the uh, comedians, and listen to this, this is quite a, here's our comedians on the show, Tom Hanks, Peter Scolari, Gary Shandling, Bob Saget, Howie Mandel, Richard Belzer, Vic what? Dunlop. Stow it, flow it, flow. Yeah. Gallagher. You're Gary kidding Newell, me. Dear. Yakov Shmirnov. What a country. Tom Dreesen. Of course he got in there. Kip Adada. Remember that guy? Now Baby that's Man. the guy. I, he's the only guy I remember. I never saw any of those guys on Make Me Laugh. Well, I did Bill Kirkenbauer as the other one. And then the guy that I remember, the only guy that really almost made me laugh when I reviewed this show was the unknown comic. I forget his name, but the guy that wore the bag over his head. Yes. He's like, hee hee, hey, somebody stole the toilet from the L.A. police headquarters. The cops say they got nothing to go on. You know, it was like, you know, really dumb <laughs> Murray. jokes. But, Murray, you know. Langston. Yeah. Murray, Murray Langston. Murray Langston was the unknown yeah. comic, yeah. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I watch Howie Mandel, and he comes out, and he's trying to make this woman laugh, and he launches into impersonating Oriental people, talking about how they're always taking pictures with cameras. and use it. Remember the Jerry Lewis movie when he's dressed up like the Oriental, he's talking in the really racist kind of tone right. for nowadays? Yeah, it was the same bit for like, and I'm thinking, all right, I know it's 1978, but you know, even then, I think that was a little over the top. And then this other guy comes out, and he's telling jokes about the black guy walks into the bar, and, and the owner says, get him out of here. And, and then Bobby Van is talking to this woman, uh, this attractive woman. He's like, what do you do for a living? He's a contestant. She says, I'm a dental hygienist. And he says, okay, that's fine. You ready to go? And she says, yes. She says, well, then the hell with the show. Let's go. Like, you know, sexual innuendos and stuff. And... Um, I'm not saying I was offended by this, but I'm like, you can't do, couldn't do those jokes today, that's for sure, and they weren't that funny. Uh, and then this guy, Bill Kirkenbauer, comes out, and I mean, I didn't laugh once. As a matter of fact, it was patently unfunny. So there was, I remember really liking this show a lot, and they would have a celebrity each show. I, I rattled some of them off. You know, Burt Convy, Phil Everly, Tiny Tim, J.P. Morgan, Dr. Joyce Brothers. You can try to make them laugh, too. But that's about all there was to it. But I was astonished it was only 360 bucks maximum. And then I loved that camera commercial. And then there was also another commercial for a forgotten medicine. You know how we take Tylenol or Aleve? Not even right. usually Aleve. That's like third place. Ooh. Second place is can, Advil. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, please guess. Buffering. 
Bufferin. Uh, that's a good one. No, that was like an aspirin substitute. This would have been more of a Tylenol or, or a, uh, Advil substitute. Okay. Don's pills. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, and it's not Goody's headache powder either. Uh, it's You're going to remember this. Anison. You can't let a simple headache interfere with the joy of life. Get in the way of your day. The joys of this world belong to the fighters. Let Anison help you fight headache, pain, and win. I met with Anison's research scientists. They told me how, very simply. Anison helps block pain, just stops it, so you can forget about it. When it comes to pain, be a fighter. Anison and maximum strength, Anison. Oh, Remember? yes. I always <laughs> right. thought Anison and Bufferin were basically the same thing. So They probably were. Yeah, probably just different brand names. But um, the show... <laughs> Um, went on hiatus because it kind of dropped off in the ratings in 1979. And Bobby Van, who had been ill with brain cancer, passed away in uh, February of 1980. You know, that was it. And then, they, of course, they brought it back in the 90s. I have no idea. I didn't research it. Don't even want to know. But I remember watching on the UHF late at night, maybe after the Benny Hill show, make me laugh. And it was yeah. good stuff. No, I remember it very well. And I think it was on uh, Channel 32 in Chicago, WFLD. Yeah. And we liked it. I, as a matter of fact, I still remember Kip Adada from that show. And at the time, I thought he was a pretty funny comedian. It was a week where they were featuring children as the, as the, the guest stars, as the contestants, if you will. Do you remember <laughs> that at all? Uh, vaguely, maybe a little bit. Well, they had this kid. He was this cute little kid. And he was Burmese. And they mentioned that. And I can't remember if any of the comedians before had said anything, but he, he sits through the first two comedians and he's just stoic. It's almost like he didn't understand English, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's what makes for a good contestant on this show. You get the 360 bucks easier that way. It would be great. Or if you were deaf, <laughs> just turn off your hearing aid, you yeah, know. Right. So the kids. Tim sits... Conway on there is Mickey. Yes, oh. exactly. <laughs> So the kid sits there for two comics, and Kip Adana's the third comic, and he goes through you know his entire act, and he's getting no response whatsoever. And you see on the clock, he's only got about 10 seconds left. And so he leans in, and he puts his arm on the, the, the little balcony, which was right next to the contestant, and he says to him, like he's you know kind of telling a dirty joke, he, he says, listen, these two Burmese kids walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and everyone dies laughing and of course the kid just sits there completely stoic <laughs> but it was the biggest uh, laugh i ever heard on that show or, or at least that i ever remember on that show that's funny yeah i mean it was good it's just some stuff doesn't hold up but that's okay right. it's not supposed to it's made for the time too bad about bobby van too because i always liked him he was married to yeah. elaine joyce right Married to Elaine Joyce, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was like a do-it-all, like a Broadway performer. Kind of, He could sing, he could dance, he could uh, uh, act straight. He was semi, he was funny, he wasn't a comedian, but, you know, he had a good, he was smiling all the time, had a good, he had a good, uh, he was a good, he would have been a good game show host going forward. All right, here we go, because you're really good at this game. You're one of the best in the business. How old was Bobby Van when he died? Okay. I'm going to say he was 47. 
All right, just for the sake of saving me work for later on, why don't you right now, if you can, Google yep. Bobby Van and see. I'm going to say you are right. I would say, just to, to play prices right, I would say 48, but I think you're exactly right. 47 okay. sounds right for Bobby Van. Do you have the match game music to play while I'm looking it up? I will definitely insert it, I promise. Boom. If I could, if I could play the tube, I'd grab it right now and start playing. Unfortunately, my wrist is still uh, Mm. in the healing stage. So, well, I'm disappointed. He was 51. Sorry about that. Yeah, still. uh, Usually, I can come closer. I was going to say 49 originally, if that counts. But uh, anyway, yeah, they list him as actor, singer, dancer, game show host. The man could do it all. Yeah, yeah. I always liked Bobby Van. I was really sorry when he died. So. All right, let's turn the page and go to another middling game show. Although to call it middling, I think, is much of a stretch. Yeah. This, again, is a show that never actually made it to the air. So I'm sure you don't remember it. Okay. And the the only reason I know it is because when my ex-wife got the cassette, the video cassette of The Riddler, there was another show after The Riddler... And it was a show called A Dollar a Second. I'm sure you've never heard of it, have you? Never. No, never. Okay. A Dollar a Second. Okay. This would have been uh, late 70s. And who do you think was the host of this pilot? Hmm. Well, like I said, I'm, not gonna, I'm guessing it's not Bob Eubanks. But no, it was Bob Eubanks. It was, of <laughs> course. It had to be Bob it, Eubanks. It was? <laughs> yes. Now, okay. here's the deal, okay? You would get a dollar a second for a task that they would ask you to go ahead and complete. Now, they start the show, and here comes this real good-looking blonde that is obviously an actress. She's just got too much personality. And again, at the beginning of the game show, they showed the disclaimer. Prizes were not awarded. Some of the contestants may have been actors. You know, just the complete... A, a, a disclaimer that says, you know, nothing here was real. Yeah. Nobody got anything. You can't sue us for any of this stuff at all. But this girl comes out, a blonde, who's obviously an actress, and she's actually wearing a, a, a sweatshirt that says a dollar a second. So there's no way she could have had that at home and shown up for the show. Obviously, yeah. wardrobe gave her this sweatshirt. Of course. So, so Bob Eubank is, is trying to explain the game. And he says, okay, we're going to give you a task, but while that task is going on, there's also going to be an outside event. And that outside event, and then they pan over to the side of the stage, there's a woman playing a slot machine with nickels, an old-style slot machine. Now, she's going to keep pumping nickels into the slot machine. And if she gets a jackpot, that's going to stop you doing your task, and we're going to have to... Stop because the outside event happened and your task is now over. Does that make any sense to you whatsoever? No, no. It's is it, it's like it's is like it there were me? two. No, there were two things competing, and if one yeah. happened before she finished hers, the contestant, then she would lose. I'm assuming. So this is supposed to rush her along and to get. Yes, the I think yeah. you're exactly right. It probably was to rush her along. 
so that they would have limited editing to editing to do it and had, wouldn't have to say come on now let's keep it moving you know yes and probably a state yeah. of urgency too because people when they're right. you know more frenetic are going to be more bubbly and excited and running around and you know makes for it'd be funnier video, yeah right yeah right so bob eubanks he has the girl the blonde the actress he says okay this is what we're going to do and they actually do a practice before they do it for real he says i'm going to ask you to run in place and continue to run in place every time I mention something that has wheels. Now, if I mention something that doesn't have wheels, you stop running in place. For instance, a car, so she starts running in place. A bicycle, she keeps running in place. A horse, she stops running in place. Okay, you get it? All right, now we'll do it for real. So then the girl with the slot machine starts pumping nickels in, and they've got the timer there. Of course, it's a dollar a second, so for every second that's going on, this contestant, quote-unquote, is getting a dollar. So they start, and they say, a train. She starts running. Uh, A truck. She keeps running. Roller skates. She keeps running. A cow. She keeps running. Eh, No, you should have stopped. Oh, okay. We're going to (laughs) stop right here. Now she gets a penalty because she ran through. Okay, now are you following me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, let's see. It's a penalty. So what happens (laughs) is they bring out Melvin the robot, which is obviously... A guy in a robot suit with just like, you know, a cardboard middle and a cardboard head and cardboard arms. And he walks kind of like a rowboat and he picks up this quote unquote contestant and puts her in a shower, picks her up and carries her into a shower. Now, in this shower, right where you would like turn on the water, there are four levers, like with ropes, almost like an old pulley that you would use to flush an old-time toilet from the 20s. Yeah. Okay, so they all have numbers, one, two, three, four. And he goes, okay, now you have your penalty, so you pick one of those four, and Melvin the robot is going to go ahead and pull that lever, and we'll see what happens. So she's sitting here in this bathtub, an old shower with, you know, shower head on top, big bathtub, one with the four legs, you know. So she's sitting in the tub. She says, okay, number one. So Melvin pulls number one, and nothing happens. So she doesn't get the shower. And so everyone goes, yay, okay, she didn't get the shower. She didn't get the penalty. Then she comes back to Bob Eubanks, and the girl starts doing the nickels again, and they give the same girl wooden shoes and she lies Mm -hmm. on her back and her goal is to now click her wooden shoes together to represent how many feet the animal that bob eubanks will mention has for instance a turkey clomp clomp because a turkey has two feet Mm -hmm. a cow clomp 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 because a cow has four feet so I say, okay, here we go. So there's this girl lying on her back with her feet up in the air or parallel to the ground, I guess. You know, it's almost like she's riding a stationary bicycle. Remember how you do that when you're on your back and you just kind of ride oh, a yeah. bike? So he says, okay, a chicken, clomp, clomp. A horse, clomp, 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 clomp. 
a pig, clomp, 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 a centipede. And then she's like, and he goes, hi, I'm just kidding, a <laughs> centipede, you know, because that would be. And I'm like, okay, this is really not going well. And yeah. so then he says, a salamander. And she goes, clomp, 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 like five. And he goes, no, you're wrong. Okay. And so then everything stops and they go, here comes the robot. And he carries her into the shower and she has to pick another lever. And this time she picks lever number two. And what happens? She gets the shower. Oh, and she gets all wet. And, you know, her hair gets all messed up. And, and Bob Eubank says, oh, that's a shame. Okay. Well, it's good to see you, Carol. Let's bring on our next, con uh, next contestant. Oh. Man. Okay, now, this is as bad as it could possibly get. But no. That's what I was just going to say. Out of all the anything, this sounds like about the worst show I've ever heard of. I mean. <laughs> You're exactly right. But not funny. The, and why do they need the robot? That doesn't make any sense. You know, um, and, and the shower thing. Like, it sounds like it was thought of by in a very non-creative drunk person. You know, like, usually, I think most drunk people could think of better premises really i mean it's, it's not it's horrible it's not funny is i mean I, you're doing a good job of probably making it funnier than it really was no i'm just explaining it as i remember it and you can see it on youtube it's on youtube although i really don't recommend to google because i i think my explanation was probably just as good as what you saw but here's the thing that makes it probably bottom of the barrel and extremely noteworthy because they go to the fake commercial break and they bring out the next guy. Now, the next guy isn't wearing a dollar a second sweatshirt. He's dressed like a little sailor boy with like a Dutch boy haircut. Oh, God. And like that blue sailor outfit with like the, the kerchief, if you will. Yeah. And they, they bring him out and they put him through the paces and he does another event and plays, and it's the same thing. And I actually fast-forwarded at this point, and they bring out the third person, and the third person is dressed like Humpty Dumpty. And I realize at this point that because it's a pilot, they didn't have enough contestants, so they went across the, the hall, and they stole some people who were in line for Let's Make a Deal! You're kidding. So, and did you verify this? Is that really what happened? No, but it's so yeah. obvious because you see these people dressed up. You're like, God, that person looks like they're going to go on. Let's make a deal. And then when I saw the second person, I'm like, that's exactly what they must have done. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, because people used to dress up on there, right? All the time on Let's Make a Deal. Yes, that was the whole thing. Monty Hall would come yeah. to you if you were dressed like whatever. That is, I got to watch this at least for the 30 seconds because I don't think okay, I can take you're much right. more it's, it's worth a 30-second Google, but after that, no. Yeah. And you can even tell Bob Eubanks, I'm sure that he went home that night and had like, rather than having one Manhattan, he probably had three or four. Yeah, he was probably longing for the days of the Diamond Head game at that point, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Maybe those stupid Hawaiians weren't so bad after all. But, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned yeah. Make Me Laugh because I did enjoy that show when it was on. I found it, you know, amusing and funny. And would you mind if I suggest a way to end this podcast? Sure. I think because you mentioned the great late, uh, the late great Bobby Van, and because you mentioned Make Me Laugh, I think the best way to end this episode is to toss things over to Murray Langston, the unknown comic. 
What the Mexican fireman name his two kids, Jose and Jose B. <laughs> Hey, what did Captain Hook die of? A jock itch. <laughs> well, right, what's the difference between mashed potatoes and pea soup? Anyone can mash potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has definitely been a groundbreaking episode. It's amazing. We only have one correction. The original host of Make Me Laugh was a guy named Robert Q. Lewis. He was very popular as far as a game show host goes back in the 1950s. And that's it. Our only correction. I'll mention our Facebook page because I think I forgot to do that earlier. Jim and Harry TV on Facebook. All the episodes are available there. We've got some pictures. You can leave some comments. And if you do so, we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. We'll have another episode coming up very, very soon. So long now. 